listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hey, glad you're here. Thanks for coming out in the snow. Um, sorry, I, I tried to tell God to stop, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't always listen to me. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. He always listens. He just doesn't always do what I say. <laughs> so I know the farmers are happy with this snow, so I can't be all that upset because it's covering the ground and it's cold. Winter wheat. Nobody plants wheat in the winter. You go inside in the winter. Anyway, so glad you're here. We're going to talk about prayer today. Eventually we'll get there. Make sure you take that prayer guide with you. Those are um, something to help you with. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about how to use that here in a little bit. Um, we are in this series called Shaping Faith and uh, really want to um, hone in on this. Uh, we're going to individually pull these disciplines out. We're going to start with the core four. Last week we talked about the core four, these disciplines that are kind of focused on building us as individuals. If you missed that, jump online, liferotp.com forward slash sermons and um, get after those. Get, get, Thad last week gave us the whole framework, okay? And so... Uh, how it all kind of fits together. Now we're going to start ratcheting in and pulling these apart. Now, let me say this about prayer. Prayer's a massive topic, right? There's no way that we could do one sermon and cover prayer. Prayer has had volumes and volumes and volumes written about it over the church history, and, and with good reason. Prayer is a really powerful thing that to be used in our lives. Now, uh, that being said, I'm not interested in helping us understand everything that there is to know about prayer today. What I want to really focus in on is understanding prayer as a discipline, kind of how, how can we kind of get started in it, and then what I hope for you is that you get rooted in it, and then you let it kind of grow as it becomes a habit. Let it grow and expand in your own life and become whatever it becomes. Like if you're looking for a target, like read the Desert Fathers. Those guys, they wrote stuff about prayer. There are people who are great prayers in history. Uh, and so the other thing that I want to do is kind of de-intimidate you about prayer. Um, and I want to I do this with a reason, because when we start thinking, if you're not great at prayer, or if you've never done it a lot, then our immediate um, like model for what a prayer should look like is somebody that's like a gifted intercessor, somebody that loves prayer with God for hours and hours and hours, you know. Um, I remember reading a quote when I was in Bible college because everything's about guilt and shame in Bible college. And because um, it's a while you control people. Um, and so in, in this quote from Martin Luther that said, I normally spend, I don't even know if it was him, but they said it was him. Um, I normally spend two hours a day in prayer, but today is so full that I couldn't possibly leave the house without spending three hours in prayer. I was like, I've never spent two hours in anything. Like, I don't spend two hours. I don't spend five minutes. Like, and, and here's, so we've been, we've been using this analogy of getting spiritually in shape, okay? Um, and that, that works for us because we want to we wanna make sure that we're spiritually fit. So let's run this out. If I would say that any one of us in here, anybody that's in this room, could finish a 5K. Like, you may not finish it in world-breaking speed, but you could walk three and a half miles. Like, you could do it, right? Anybody could do that. You could do, you could do three and a half miles with a walker, right? I've seen it done. Um, that, that's like entry-level running. If you're training to run, like, you kind of start with, hey, let's do a 5K. Yeah. Um, the first race I ever ran um, was a marathon. Uh, so a little bit different. 
a little bit different marathon. When you, when you stretch out to a 10K, you're going to have to actually start training. Um, like you may not be able to cover that distance if you're not in shape. You want to start being mindful of your exercise and that kind of thing. When you stretch out to a marathon, it's 26.2 miles, right? You have to be careful about your, your uh, I know what you guys are thinking when I say I ran a marathon, right? You're like, you, you look like a guy <laughs> that would run marathons. Is <laughs> that a fat joke? What are you um, working on it? So uh, when you're running a marathon, like you got to train for it. You got to be mindful of your rest, and you got to be mindful of your nutrition, and you got to run certain distances at certain times, and it's different every day. And you got to log it, and you got to keep track of how your body feels. And if you need a, and 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 if you miss, then over time, when it gets to race day, you're not ready, right? And you got to figure out what it feels like to push through the wall, which is between 18 and 20 miles. It's the point that your body hits where you've used up all of your available calorie stores, and you realize you have between six and eight miles left to run, right? You have more than a 5K left. <laughs> and, you, and you're like, I, I can't walk, right? This is where you see, if you watch races on TV, people collapse and they, they it's just it's terrible, right? You hit the wall and you got to figure out how to push. Like there's, when you're going to run a marathon, you got to be ready to run a marathon, right? You can't, you don't just step on the track and run it. You can't. Now, there's these other people that run Super marathons, 100-mile races, and they love it, right? I'm like, why? Why do you love that? What is there about that to love? There's no part of that that acts lovingly to me because I am built for comfort, right? Like that, 100-mile races? Like you spend your life Running, that's all you do. 100 miles, they, and they love it, they love it. That, none of us, if we were gonna try to get in shape, would compare ourselves to super marathoners as runners, right? But what we do with our prayer life is we start to compare ourselves to the super marathoners of the prayer world, right? There are gifted intercessors who just live to pray. That's just, they live to pray. And, and God has supernaturally empowered them. And you love having them pray for you because it feels like they got the red phone to God. Uh, we had, a, we had a, a lady in our church in Post Falls. Her name was Lydia. And Lydia, we called her Lydia Long Prayer because she loves to pray, loves to pray. You never want her to pray before a meal. Like, or in a group, when you want somebody, let's close us in prayer. Lydia, would you pray? Everybody be like, ah. Oh. Because like on the one hand, it's cool if she prays for you, you know it's gonna get answered. But on the other hand, it's gonna take forever. Because uh, she just loves to pray. Right, like we're not talking about that. Okay, so your measuring rod for your prayer life isn't that. It may become that at some point, but let's, let's at least plant the seed before we harvest the wheat. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's start with just a 5K. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that, right? So all we're asking for is five minutes, which is why we gave you this prayer guide. Um, and that's really significant because I don't want us to feel inferior. And, and the other thing that happens is we get scared to do, do it wrong, so if you haven't spent a lot of time praying in public, you're like, uh, and like in your small group, let's say you go to your small group and somebody asks you to pray out loud in front of the group and you've never done it before and you're like, ah, what if I do it wrong? Um, 
Well, that's impossible. It's impossible to pray to the Lord wrong. <clears throat> so I want to kind of demystify it for you. So let's talk about this right up front. What is prayer? First question, what is prayer? Prayer is simply a conversation with God. It's it. It's all it is. It's a conversation with God. It's it. It's having a conversation with God. There's no magic formula to it. And I would say the more that you are just honest in how you are and talking with the Lord, the more that it feels like a conversation. On the other side of that, I would say this. Um, conversations typically are two-directional, right? That's no exception with the Lord. You need to learn how to hear his voice, right? So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. I want you to imagine, this is a really good metaphor for me, it works in a marriage relationship. So if you're not married, think about the person that's closest to you. Um, but the, for me, the person closest to me is my wife. Like I know her better than I know anyone else and she knows me better than anyone else knows me. Um, so let's say that I marry my wife and, and I, I look at my wife and I study my wife. And I mean, I study her. I know what she looks like. I know what she likes to wear. I know what she likes to do. I know what makes her cry. I know what makes her smile. I know, I study her. Study, like, to the, to the minutia, I study her. But I never talk to her. That's not a relationship. That's called stalking. <laughs> right? You with me? I think that the problem for a lot of us in our prayer life is that because we don't really spend much time praying, we may read the Bible a lot or read books about God or whatever, so we study him and study him and study him, but we're God stalkers, right? It's not a relationship. There's no relationship in that. And so I think what God's calling us to in prayer is a relationship, which means that when we pray, we can we can go to the Lord and share our heart, but God, I, I think so many times, like we, we share our heart, get it all off our chest, and we're like, see you, God, and God's like, what, da, 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 ba, ba. You know, I had some really cool stuff to say. Like, stop and listen. So one of the things in your book is each day you have just a, like here's a topic and a little scripture, and then some ways to pray about that topic, and then under that it says personal notes. Here's, here's how I would recommend that you use that. Um, pray. And then stop and get quiet and write down whatever comes to mind. It could very well be the Lord speaking to you. Now, let's be honest, it could also be gas, right? So it could be, but it could be the Lord speaking to you. We call this the leading, the sense, the, the spiritual term is the unction, the unction in the, I got, I got an unction from the Lord, right? That's what we call it. It's like, uh, you remember Schoolhouse Rocks, the uh, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Yeah, spirit unction, what's your function? That's kind of how that goes. It's like that. So there's nothing wrong with an unction of the spirit. There's nothing wrong with sensing that the Lord is saying something to you. Write it down. But then what you want to do is to go and, if you're, and confirm that with a few other things. And, and I think there's kind of four major ways that the Lord speaks to you. One is through prayer. Um, one is through Bible reading. Another is through circumstances. And then another is through other people. And what I would suggest is that when all four of those things are lining up, you know that the Lord is speaking to you. 
right? Those are the four things that you need. Like, and you know this, like when the Lord wants to get your attention, you can't get away from it. Everywhere you go, every, everything, it's just all pointing in one direction. God's trying to get your attention. So stop when you're done praying, get quiet and just write down whatever comes up. What you'll learn as you develop the habit is you'll learn to discern the difference between God's voice and your own heart. A place, good, great place to begin is if it's the one thing that came to your mind that wasn't anything that you would ever do, start there, <laughs> right? Because God's going to stretch you. God's not speaking to you just to make you feel good about where you are. He's, stre- he's speaking to you to help you take bigger steps of faith, right? So prayer is this conversation. And there's all kinds of things in the Bible that people pray about. There's some listed in your, in your notes. You can look at those. Zechariah was praying for a son for his whole adult life. Um, bigger than that, when, when Zachariah's praying for a son, he's praying for uh, God to take away his shame. This is a shameful thing to be barren in their culture. Like for them, it's a lot bigger than just having kids. It's knowing that I have God's favor, that God, God thinks I'm okay. That's how kids is one of the ways that God shows that. And so when we can't have kids, it feels like um, God doesn't love me. And that's hard. Solomon prayed for wisdom. James says that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should pray to the Lord and he gives it liberally. It's a great thing to pray for. Um, There's all kinds of things. Elijah prayed for rain. Um, There's all different kinds of things. If you read the Psalms, what I love about the Psalms is they're worship songs, right? But they're worship songs that were birthed out of the prayers of David. David comes to the Lord and he puts it on the line. He's like, Lord, what the heck? Like, what? What's going on? You gotta be kidding me, this is going on. And he doesn't pull any punches with it. Like David is boldly honest. It's almost like when God uses somebody, that person has to have the kind of chutzpah that he's willing to kind of grab God by the collar and go, what is going on? Right? No pretense, just rot gut level honesty with God. That is a real conversation. And God's looking for that. Right Now I want to look at um, the prayer of Jesus in John 17. This is the longest continuous prayer that we have of Jesus in all of the Gospels that we have recorded. And we know that he prayed all night um, sometimes. And so probably there's a lot longer prayers that he actually prayed. But this is the longest one we have recorded. It happens somewhere between the Last Supper at the Upper Room and Jesus getting arrested. Okay, So this is right at the end of his ministry. Uh, and he's, we assume that he's in the garden. We don't know for sure where he's at because it doesn't say. But it's a good place placer for that. But he's praying to the Lord. And I want to take a look at what are some of the things that he's praying for. Okay? So let's take a look at this. John 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. Now this is eternal life that we know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Now that raises an interesting question because the timing of that statement is really significant. Number one, Jesus has not been arrested yet. Number two, he's not gone to the cross. Number three, he's not conquered the grave yet. So if he says to God, I have finished the work, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do, then the question is, what's the work? Like, I don't ever want to take away from Jesus on the cross. I don't ever want to diminish that. He's absolutely a means for salvation for us. But he doesn't need a three and a half year ministry to do that. Jesus came 
to create a movement of discipleship. And you and I are here today because he firmly established that movement. Right? So to not be a part of that movement means that we're denying being a part of the very thing that Jesus died to make possible for us. That's not, that's no bueno. Right? I'm bilingual. (laughs) Speak like eight languages. Just none of them very good. Um, All right, let's keep reading. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I've revealed to you, revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. So now Jesus is going to switch gears and he's going to start, he he was praying for himself and now he's going to start praying for his disciples, those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me and they've obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you and I gave them the words that you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. And I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, here's Jesus' prayer for his disciples. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. That's another sermon for another day. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. This is significant. But that you protect them from the evil one. Listen, parents, if you want to pray for your kids, don't pray that God protects them from pain. They don't know how to be adults. Pray that God protects them from the devil. That in their pain, they don't succumb to the temptations that are placed before them. Right? A lot of people will try to sell you a bag of goods about Christianity. That if you give your life to Jesus, then everything's hunky-dory. It's not true. It's not true. When you give your life to Jesus, what you do is turn a spiritual war on in your life, and if you don't have the tools to fight it, you're in trouble. Right? You're in trouble. By the way, I love that song, Defender. Everybody has such a violent line. You know, you, you come back with the head of my enemy. Let me be straight up with you. When I want God to intervene in the spiritual battles in my life, I don't want him to be gentle. I want him to be violent and taking care of business. Are you with me? I want him to come back with a head of mine. He's like, hey, I got this one fixed. This one's probably not coming back. I don't want him to be nice about it. It makes me angry that my life gets so distracted by the devil and trying to derail what God's doing in my life and in the life of people around me. So God, come take care of business. <laughs> Here. Here. Um, take, put that in front of the Kraken. All right. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to be made more holy, um, to be set apart, look different. You look different because you follow the truth. Um, as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world, for I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Okay, who's that? Who are the people who've believed in Jesus through the message of the disciples? Us. Pretty cool, Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for you. In his most darkest hour, Jesus thought enough of you to bring you up in front of the Father. And here's his prayer for you. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. How is the world going to know that God sent Jesus? By us getting along. That's how we're going we're to, you can have all the truth in the world, but the way that we're going to show the world who Jesus is and where he comes from is how we treat one another. Right? That's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus says. It's his prayer for you, which is kind of cool. Um, you don't have to worry. Jesus has got you covered. So we, what, one of the things that I would point out in this, and we could read on because there's more prayer there, but we just, just in the interest of time, we'll move on. There's 26 verses to this prayer. The first four verses, Jesus prays for himself. The other 22, he prays for other people. And I just wonder, try this on, if you were to go home and chunk out your prayers, what percentages would go where? How much of your percentage of your prayer would be about other people and how much of it would be about yourself? And how would it measure with Jesus' ratios? Just try it on. No, no judgment. I'm guilty of it too. I like talking to God about me. Um, in fact, I love talking about me in general. Like just talk to me about me. I'll tell you all about me. Right? So prayer, prayer doesn't have necessarily things we ask and things we don't ask. It doesn't have necessarily, like, there's not a certain formula. There are some formulas that you can follow. Like, there's a lot of liturgical style prayers that follow formulas so that you can keep your mind kind of focused on what you're talking about because you know how it goes. He's like, Lord, thank you for this day and for football. And, oh, that quarterback missed a pass. And they should, oh, and how come he didn't run the football? And, oh, like, you know all right, Lord, like that's kind of how that goes. So there are some formulas that you can use. They're helpful to help foster focus, but they're not necessary. So I want to wrestle with this question of how do we pray? So that's what is prayer. I want to wrestle with this question of how do we pray? And so, because for a lot of us, we were taught, fold your hands, bow your head, and close your eyes, right? This actually came out of the Sunday school movement of the early 1900s. I'm not even joking you. That is not how the people who wrote the Bible pray at all. In fact, they pray the exact opposite. They pray head raised, eyes open, arms out. Right? Almost in this style of saying like daddy, like a little kid running up like my, when my kids were little. We just did uh, last night, my, my youngest son turned 18, so we did a, a man ceremony for him, a coming-of-age ceremony, which was really cool. And uh, I remember when my kids were little toddlers, and they would run up to me, Daddy, like, that's my favorite. That was my favorite. This, now, what he is, is, like, smelly. And it's, it's awesome. He's a great guy. He's a, he's a great man now. I told him I'd call him a man now. He's not a boy anymore. But... um. Like that little moment. This is how the Jews pray, and I just, I just love, the, I love the imagery. So it's not about how we pray, like, physical posture, although there are times for you to get on your face before God. Like, on your face, on the ground, there are times for that. And so it's not about a posture. It's about letting your posture demonstrate the condition of your heart as you approach the Lord, whatever that is. 
Whatever that is. If it's desperation, get desperate. Right? If it's submission, be submissive. Um, that's the way it is. But we want to talk about how to pray. Okay? Um, prayer is not only an event. It is an event, but it's not only event. And I want to say again, we're not talking about hours and hours and hours of prayer. Unless that is just something that you love, then absolutely that can be you. I don't want to take that away from anybody. But what we're talking about is five minutes, like five minutes a day. And then outside of that, there's this verse, right, where Paul says, pray without ceasing. And you're like, how in the world? Pray without ceasing? I got to what? What do I do? Job my eyes closed? Well, that's another case for not praying with your eyes closed. But, but if I pray with my eyes open, then, then I'm looking at the hummingbirds outside the window. You know, it's like that's tension. No, it's not how it goes. Prayer is a conversation with God. It's the process of giving up to God your thoughts in a moment and getting quiet in your soul enough to hear God's thoughts in a moment. Right? So the rabbis teach this practice of 100 thank yous a day. Find a hundred ways to say thank you to God every day. Every day, right? And I know that you're like, a hundred every day? Well, yeah, but like it doesn't have to be glorious. It doesn't have to be like, Lord, thank you for the winning, letting me win the lottery. It doesn't have to be like that. It's thank yous for little things. Like, God, thank you for the sunshine. God, thank you that I hit a green light instead of a red light. And thank you that the person in front of me is actually driving the speed limit. You know, whatever it is, Whatever it is, God, thank you for, for, for dealing with this. Thank you for this thing. Thank you for that thing. Whatever it is. But, you know, it doesn't have to be this big elaborate process. It's 100 thank yous a day. That's one way to get in the habit of talking to the Lord all day. Another thing would be to find um, like a, a trigger, uh, some kind of a trigger that will jog your memory to pray. And it doesn't have to be an elaborate prayer. It can be two or three sentences. Um, I want you to know that the, the Jewish prayer before meals is only three sentences long. There's a reason for that. Because I want to make sure that I'm thankful to the Lord. I also want to make sure that I don't get, like, the food gets cold. <laughs> like, I want to eat, I want to eat it. Um, and, the, and it's just a, the prayer is just simply a thank you to the Lord. Like it's not, it's, we bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for giving us bread from the earth. Amen. Is it? Um, because we just want to take a minute and acknowledge that it's the Lord who's provided this meal for us. And don't bless the food. When you pray before a meal, don't bless the food. It's already blessed. When you, when you say, it, let's, let's bless the food before we eat it. Listen, it's Cheetos. I'm just saying. Like it's not going to magically transition into something magical. right? It's not going to look, taste, and feel texture-wise like pizza in your mouth and then turn into vegetables in your stomach. It's, if it's pizza, it's pizza, right? Like, you don't need to bless the food. If God made it, it's already blessed. It's already blessed. It's blessed. You can thank him for it, but God made it. It's blessed. Unless it's Velveeta cheese, which you shouldn't eat. Just don't eat that. Right? Just don't eat it. I'm learning. This is one of the lessons I've learned in 2019. You take some Velveeta cheese, melt it, put some chili in it, and hammer some corn chips with that. You know what I'm talking about? That right there is about 
20 pounds is what that is. <laughs> Roughly, give or take. I can just tell you from experience. Blessed food, but it doesn't have to take forever. Like, it doesn't have to be all this big, drawn-out thing. Have a, have a trigger, like um, walking through a doorway. Like, one of the things for me when I think about triggers is um, walking through a doorway is this trigger of, okay, three-sentence prayer to the Lord. Lord, uh, I just want to ask you to give me wisdom as I step into this meeting. It's going to be really important. It matters. This conversation matters. Or, Lord, thank you for that meeting that I just came out of, and I was just blessed by that. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm excited about whatever today brings. Or wh whatever. It just, quick, like, walk through a door. Or every time you um, see a certain thing that you see regularly, or every time you have a certain activity that you do regularly, whatever, whatever it is, like, for every cup of coffee, you're going to have to say a prayer. Like, for some of us, that's a lot of praying, right? Um, so those are the, like, have a trigger. Have a thing that's like, before I talk to my spouse, I'm going to pray. And if I forget and I see them, I'm going to pray. And they just know, right? Okay. Like, that's a great practice. Have a trigger. Whatever it is, have a trigger. It, there's not a the way to pray. There is no wrong way to talk to the Lord, right? It's just a conversation with God. It's just a conversation with God. So give, and then take a minute to be silent. Still your heart, breathe, and listen. Those moments where God just drops just a little something, right? And then there's times where God takes a big old two by four and just whacks you upside the head too. There's those two, but that's not the only time God is speaking. What I think for a lot of us is that we want God, and, and, what, we, and so what we do is we pray, Lord, help me, and, and we pray, and, and like at the beginning of the day, we, we sit on the edge of our bed, and we're like, Lord, I really want to be used by you today. Like, use me today. And, and then we get to the end of the day, and we sit on our bed, and we're like, Lord, why didn't you use me today? But God was showing up all throughout the day, but we were just too distracted to pay attention to it. When you pray for something, pray and then pay attention to what happens next. Like, if you want to ask the Lord to intervene in your life in some way, pray and then pay attention. Whatever, because whatever, that matters. Whatever God is doing next, he's going to reveal to you, right? Because circumstances, uh, pay attention to the conversations you're having. Pay attention. If you're like, Lord, use me today, and then somebody comes to you at work and says, hey, you're a Christian, right? Bing! Like, pay attention to that. You're like, yeah, that's really uncomfortable. I don't really, I don't really talk about it in public. Um, people would do, like, the Bible says that nobody seeks God. So if somebody comes to you and has this, like, a spiritual thing that they want to talk to you about, that's God going, hey, wake up, right? That's God doing that for you. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. Pray, and then pay attention to what happens next. Just do that. What you'll find is that God is working around us all the time. And part of prayer is us waking up to his presence in our life. It's always been there. Pray and then still your heart and listen. And with that in mind, we're going to move towards the Lord's table, which is an opportunity for us to um, just say, God, we, we acknowledge what you've done. Um, I love taking communion. We have an open table here, so if you're new, anybody who wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is invited to partake, but we want you to uh, hold the elements till the end, and we'll take them all together. Now, 
while they're doing that, one of the things that we're doing this year again, and, and I want to keep mentioning this, is um, for a lot of you that aren't in home groups that, because you don't know what a home group's like or whatever, like what we want to do is give you awareness of exactly what we're going to be talking about in our home groups this week. So rather than doing implications, what we're going to do is just some questions that we're going to be asking about the sermon in the groups these weeks. So uh, this week. So this is question number one. How would you rate your prayer life? Now, um, Thank you. Don't be overly critical, right? Well, compared to Lydia Long prayer, I'm a negative 11 teen. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do that. That's not fair. We're not asking you to be a super marathoner of prayer. What I'm saying is, can you give five minutes? Like top 1% of all Christians, if you give five minutes a day in prayer, you're in the top 1% of all Christians as far as time in prayer. And what if, like, the breakthrough that you've been praying for, the, the thing that you've been longing for, waits for you on the other side of laying it before the Lord and God comes and gives you something? Like, what if it's right there? And all you needed to do was pray. And then be quiet and listen for a minute. How would you rate your prayer life? How would you? It's a, good, it's a good question. And then what do you need to surrender to have a better prayer life? If you're like, well, my prayer life is not great. It's not great. Okay, well, why not? Why isn't it great? Oh, so distracted and so busy. And, uh, uh, what do you need to surrender? What's getting in the way of you talking to the creator of the universe? Because he wants to talk to you. Like He's longing to speak with you. He loves you. He thinks you're amazing. Next question. What catches your eye as you look at the prayers of the people in the text? So as you go back and review the, the ones that we have in the notes or other ones that you're aware of in the scripture, as you watch them pray and the things that they're praying for, what captures you about that? Maybe it's the topic. Like, I didn't know you could pray for that. Maybe it's the, man, when I read this prayer and this situation, I just sense that they're feeling like this and that really grips me because I felt like that. Like, what is it about that prayer that, as you look at those prayers in the Bible, what is it about that that captures you, um, that catches your eye? Next question. How does your prayer life reflect your relationship with God? Like, remember, this, remember the stalker, my, stalking my wife. I, I, I know about you, but I don't know you. Like, your prayer life how is it connected to your relationship with God like for real? Do you really have a relationship with God or are you just hoping you make it to heaven? L last question. What's the greatest prayer you've had, you have had answered? Those are important things to hold on to because there are moments where you feel really close to God and you're like, man, I'm good. And then there are moments where you're like, man, I don't know if I can get through this. And sometimes those moments are within five minutes of each other right? We need the story of God's faithfulness to help us through the times when he's still working details out. We need that. And then the next question is, what prayer are you still waiting for God to answer? That's an important one too. Because we can join each other, right? In lifting those things up. In your home groups this week, maybe you can take some time to lift one another up in those prayers that we haven't gotten answered yet. 
communion is this opportunity for us to be reminded of how important it is to lay our lives down. If we're going to really take a hold of God's agenda, we've got to lay our lives down. So this, this is a picture, this reminder that Jesus does it for us so that we can do it for other people. It's this reminder that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant, my blood which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, I sure am thankful for your grace. And um, as, as I fumble along in my understanding of this relationship called prayer, and how hard I work to be heard, and how little I work to hear you. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would expand for each of us our understanding of what prayer is and what it can be. And uh, Lord, in all of your goodness, I pray that you would gently show us the way to deeper and more fuller relationship with you. In your name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.